obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. Yeah, we're live on uh, Facebook and uh, uh, we're live here on Twitch as well. So thank you everyone for joining us for episode, uh, this is episode 311 or also known as episode 8 of season 8. Sports on the Hill podcast. Uh, today we're uh, talking about the playoffs, uh, both the NHL and the NBA playoffs. We'll also have a Nats update, a Mystics update, and at the very end of the show, uh, I haven't done my due diligence with the um, DC United, so I'm going to go through the last couple of weeks for them. Uh, they've actually had a couple of great games the last couple of weeks, so I'll go through some of those scores at the very end of the show. But uh, for this first hour, uh, we've got two live games going on right now. Uh, Eastern Conference Final, uh, where Florida is playing Carolina. Uh, this game is in Florida. Uh, Florida leads the series 2-0 after winning both of those games in overtime. Uh, we'll break that down uh, more in uh, the second hour with a special guest, uh, Jeremy from Moonlight Social. I'll introduce him more uh, when we get to that segment. Uh, but we'll be doing live scoring updates uh, from this game. The second period, the puck just dropped. So uh, we'll be doing the second period live look-ins uh, throughout this uh, basketball segment. Switching over to that, the Lakers are currently up 34 to 28 uh, with 1.3 seconds left uh, on the clock. And they throw it up and it's no good. Uh, so they'll take a six-point lead after the first quarter. Uh, I usually don't uh, put on a jersey of another team that's not a D.C. team, but uh, the Lakers are on the verge of getting swept. So I thought I had not worn this jersey the entire playoffs, and uh, we'll, we'll bust it out for this one to hope that they don't get swept. But we'll talk about that one and the um, uh, three games to zero lead uh, the Heat have as well right now. So uh, both teams – have never uh, been swept in a conference uh, finals before. Never had the Eastern and Western both swept in the same year uh, since it started, which was in the 1970s, I believe. And so um, this would be a big deal if there was two sweeps going into the finals, especially because um, it, it surprised a lot of people. We talked last week about how I thought, at least, uh, that the Celtics and the Lakers were destined to play each other once again. Um, but... Uh, I don't think we were giving Denver enough credit uh, in that. And the Heat have an amazing coach, which we did talk about last week um, with uh, Arun 
Uh, and uh, we also had Davey on last week as well for a great NBA segment. So a ton of stuff to break down tonight. But Carol, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Robbie. Um, talking about that NBA series with uh, both of them, 3-0. Uh, I said it before. Um, I don't watch a lot, but Denver is the most underrated number one seed. And that kid, Jokic, I've heard, you know, heard about him. I haven't watched him play live, but watching these playoffs, I never thought I would say this about a current NBA player. He reminds me of Hakeem Olajuwon with more range. And it's shocking to see how dominant he is inside and outside his vision, uh, his range, and, and he's, you know, not a liability on defense. And a lot of folks, I guess, like myself, hadn't, well, I don't watch, but, you know, that since he's in Denver, you know, a lot of folks might not, you know, have seen his game, but I must say, I'm very impressed with his game. Yeah, it's, um, it's been really surprising uh, that they've been counted out so much. It's just hard because um, Murray and Joker are both so good. And it seems like you can maybe hold them down for three quarters, but it's just really hard to hold them down for all four quarters. And you kind of have to hold both of them down just because like one will go off for a time and the other will go off. And um, just, it's kind of crazy. I mean, this team is so good and Denver is so close right now uh, to being on the verge of their very first NBA finals. Um, So obviously uh, there's a lot riding on, um, on this. I'm still thinking that the Lakers find a way to win this one, but then when it goes back, uh, it's been really hard to win in Denver this year. So um, Lakers would have a hard time trying to win two there, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been interesting. But Tim, how are you doing tonight? Oh, doing great. Um, I'm still recovering from seeing another Nats loss live in person Friday night. I think oh, I'm no. a bad luck charm. Yeah, I oh, saw the one loss of the series. Um, the Nats played really well at the end of the game, but when you get down eight to zero, it's hard to win. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they showed fight. We stayed till the last out. Um, it was a fun Friday night. They're playing better baseball, but um, I'm a bad luck charm because that's like six in a row going back three seasons. So <laughs> wow. it's not yeah. all my fault, clearly. But <laughs> It's time to stay home. Jim. It's time to stay home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, it was a good time. Good, good weather. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I'll have you stay on for a little bit of our Nats talk segment or something, and you can uh, talk to Carol a little bit more about it because I haven't actually gone to a Nats game uh, in a couple of seasons. Yeah, I can at least talk about that um, game yeah, and that was... a little bit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. At least you got to stay for the whole game. One game I went to the season was a four-hour rain delay game. So, hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they only have a lot of rain delays there. That's one bad thing about Nats Park, but. Yeah, I picked one game, and it had to be the four-hour rain delay game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been there, and it sucks because you like went home to watch an XFL game that you thought was going to be a huge win, but it was just a it was just a bad it. DC. Oh, sport, the same you know, day, yeah, 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 the same day, man. And we were thinking about going to the watch party. I'm glad we did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Good move. 
Yeah, definitely a good move. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in on our uh, Twitch uh, feed and uh, quick scoring update. Lakers, uh, Denver, it's close. It's now 36-31 in that, and Florida, Carolina is still 0-0. So, uh, uh, Denver in four. Yeah, you, you think Denver's going to come back and just win this game right here? Denver, like you said, you can hold them down for a little while, but eventually they're going to go off. Like I like in game three, you know, they they were Lakers were fighting, but it's like Denver was just in a in a rhythm. It's like they're in controls. Like they like they knew they were going to win that game, and they just took over and went on that run. And I just think they have confidence, and they playing the underdog role, even though they're number one. And like you said, after the game one. All you heard was the Lakers made adjustments. They want to find a way, yada, yada, yada. And that's fueled them. And, you know, being a fact, like you said, this will be their first finals appearance. I think they're I think they're ready to uh, make that step. And uh, like I said, I'm not an expert at all, but I've seen them make adjustments and adjust to what the Lakers are doing. And sometimes you haven't seen the Lakers adjust to what they were doing. The one thing I did notice was uh, they had Schroeder uh, giving full court pressure on Murray to try to slow him down. And I did slow him down a little bit in the uh, last game, but, you know, they were still able to overcome and win that game ultimately. Yeah, as you're talking about, Murray scored, but then uh, Austin Reeves <laughs> came back and was aggressive and got a bucket and won. Uh, so it puts them up six now uh, with 10-0-3 uh, left in uh, the second quarter here. And, um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting battle. Uh, I think the Lakers – will win this game, but it's going to be a tough one for sure. I think it'll be close uh, to the very end, but the Lakers have actually played really well in a lot of these games. It hasn't been blowouts like the other side of the series. Um, uh, let's, uh, I'm going to do a quick screen share. We're going to get into some of this basketball talk real quick, and then uh, we'll talk about this live game some more. Let me uh, get the Lakers up here. So this is our current game right now, um, but we will go into the Eastern Conference and take a look at the Celtic series. Um, so, yeah, when we last left off, it was starting off this uh, Heat Celtic series. Um, game one uh, was pretty close. Uh, the It was like a two-point game after the first with the Celtics had a minor lead, and they extended the lead in the second. But in the third quarter, uh, the Heat just dominated the Celtics. And then in the fourth quarter, they continued that. Uh, domination oh well then it was closer I'm sorry it was uh, 25 20 but it was such a huge third it was they took a 20 they outscored them by 21 points in that third quarter uh, and that's just too hard to overcome in a conference finals um, uh, Tim what are some of your thoughts on this uh, game one most people thought after this loss for Boston that they were just playing lazy and <clears throat> continuing their streak of losing a lot of home games in a concerning way, but then saving their series by winning a lot of road games and coming out um, strong after, after losses. Uh, but clearly the coaching edge for the heat matters so much that when you kill a team in the third quarter, that's usually because of the adjustments and, if it's really lopsided, kind of like the Warriors always do with Kerr in the third quarter, it's probably because you have an elite coach and the other coach might not be great. And clearly, uh, Missoula, he's younger than all of us. I mean, that a first-year coach, young guy, he's just getting put through the ringer in the press. He can't handle it. Um, but I think this game really just proved – 
that the coaching edge is so large that it can overcome all that talent that Boston has. Because even though they have more stars, um, collectively, they just don't play as hard. Or, um, and, and at home, they just cons- have concerning droughts where they play without energy. And it's not the crowd's fault. I mean, Boston has a great home court. It's just, I think, bad coaching and a lot of young selfish players on Boston. And they're just not gelling at the right time. Um, this is a team that almost won the finals last year. And um, they're really just playing terrible this whole series. But this game at, you know, that third quarter was where you first saw a, a, a bad stretch from them. Yeah, it was definitely a, a tough uh, game uh, for Celtics fans. Um, sorry, Carly in chat. But uh, we've got uh, the next game um, it was sort of similar in the sense that um, – well, I, I guess it was closer in the first quarter. It was just a one-point lead for the Celtics. And then the Heat took a small lead at halftime. The Celtics actually fought back in, and I thought had a really good third quarter this time. Uh, but unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, they allowed for 36 points again. They need, need to stop allowing for 30 or more points in a quarter. It's just really tough. I mean, they only lost this game by six points, but it was definitely um, – I just think that the Heat's coaching has been phenomenal. It's uh, – what you saw in the last game in the box score was a lot of players with 15 points. So it's not like a ton of people are like lighting it up and getting 30, but it's just a total team effort. And you can see it in this box score too. Uh, a lot of, you know, double digit scores. It's pretty evenly split. Uh, this time there was like a three headed monster and the other one, it was more evenly uh, distributed across the, the roster. But what are some of your thoughts on game two? This game um, will always be known for the Grant Williams, uh, Jim, Jimmy Butler showdown um, forehead to forehead where basically the narrative is um, Grant uh, Williams on Boston just, you know, poked the bear, pissed off the star on the other team. Boston took control in the third quarter and it looked like they were going to win. And um, Williams was actually playing well on offense and he was guarding Butler, but he just, you know, talked so much trash that Butler reacted by getting angry, you know, on fire and he could not miss uh, for the rest of the game from, from the floor. He had a bunch of N ones. Um, he was just the best player in the game after all the altercations. And this guy, Williams, he doesn't even play every game. He only plays every other game in the playoffs. Really a lot of um, sporadic minutes, he plays with a lot of heart and energy, and I understand why he's playing more now. But um, that was just dumb, and he's not even a starter, so he can't go toe-to-toe with Butler. Um, just a bad mental mistake. And it's just sad that they need – you know, the Celtics can't get up for a game like this without one kind of reserve, like – role player getting into a fight basically. So not great, but um, it was an impressive, interesting comeback. But again, um, they, you know, I just think the heat, they play so well together and they're well coached. Um, they don't get rattled. So they just sort of took the Celtics hard in this game in, in the second half, at least. Yeah. 
Uh, and then yesterday's game wasn't even close. It was sort of the biggest blood of the series. Uh, the Heat started off on fire, um, 30 to 22. They scored 31 in the second, outscored them 31 to 24. Scored again above 30 in the third, 32 17. And in the fourth quarter, they were um, they scored 35. They did allow 39 by that point, but there's a lot of scrubs in the game. And uh, I don't know, it, it was 128 102. So uh, even if you allow 39 points, they still barely got over 100 for the whole game. Uh, and you have the heat over 120. Hey, hey, hey Robbie, yeah, not to uh, cut you off, but things getting a little heated in this Lakers game. LeBron and uh, I'm trying yeah, to see what I, player it is. It's not Eric, yeah, Gordon. Gordon. I think Gordon. Gordon. It, it, things it getting is. a little physical down there. I'm starting to see LeBron is uh, looking like he's a little irritated after game three. Uh, I was shocked to see him leave he's the court. Try, I mean, to be fair, he's trying to pull his arm out, and Gordon was like, got a lock on his arm. And in, in well, because Gordon, when Gordon was trying to get in position, he caught him right there in the jaw, and LeBron was already frustrated with that. And then Gordon was boning him up, and then it just got physical. I was just letting you know, uh, yeah, you know, things are getting a little testy in uh, game four. And uh, before y'all get back to it, I have a quick question about this series for both of you guys because I mentioned it, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it to you or someone else about the fourth quarter collapses of Boston, especially coming off of that series versus the uh, 76ers when uh, Tatum uh, had that terrible first three quarters and the fourth quarter lit up, came back, won the game, then put up 51 in the game seven. And then essentially in the first two games of the series in the fourth quarter, first game, he didn't take any shots, I believe. Second game, he only had two field goals in that fourth, which kind of fueled Miami. What do you think... um, caused this huge drop-off with their fourth-quarter production that put them in this position because, you know, I thought Philly had them uh, in game five, and then when I saw game six that they were up, but Tatum was 0 for whatever, I knew that, that Philly, you know, he wasn't going to be that way for the whole game, and then for him to light up like that in game seven, and then all of a sudden disappear in two huge fourth quarters at home in the conference finals. What do you think led to this whole thing? Was it Miami's defense and their coaching, or was it just Boston shot their, you know, shot their load with the Philly series and didn't have nothing left for a quality team like Miami, even though they're the eighth seed? In my opinion, I think it's coaching. I just think that it just seems like Spostra has just got an answer to every move he's made. And, you know, Spostra has been that young guy before. And I think he kind of remembers that, but you know, I, it's been amazing because think about it, the heat have had a lot of injuries this year and he's been able to keep the, the ball rolling and they've been the hottest team, you know, the last couple, you know, they, they go on a tear to make the playoffs to, you know, win in the play in, they play more games. I feel like they're, I don't want to say more playoff ready, but I, I think in some ways their route to this game was much harder than the Celtics was. And so um, I think he's just got them out coach, but Tim, what are some of your thoughts? I agree that it's coaching, but I think it's more bad coaching on the Celtics part because one thing that the Celtics have done badly, especially this year, they, they're not that consistent, even in the playoffs. Uh, they already lost a lot of home games in the past few years, even when they got as far as the finals. They, they always get far, but rely on a lot of road wins, which is kind of weird. So they have a a tendency to do poorly when you think they would have tons of energy and have the home advantage. The other thing is they kind of panic when the game's close 
on offense because they don't really run sets. Um, if you notice the Heat, they know Jimmy Butler's their their best player. So in the fourth quarter, he's touching the ball every possession and shooting at least half of them. So with with the Celtics, they don't even get Brown and um, Tatum enough shots because they just kind of play hero ball at the end. And it works sometimes because they have a lot of talent. It's just not consistent um, because if, you know, you're ice cold and also your role players aren't hitting shots, it's just not going to work. It's not, you know – it's just not it's just not a sustainable way to do it. And I think the Celtics were clearly better coached last year, but they lost that coach because of a scandal. Um, so the question is, is this new coach really that bad? Because he kind of was the third or fourth assistant. He wasn't like the assistant head coach last <laughs> year. They, they reached for him and he's young and he's never coached before. Is he that bad or is it the players are showing their displeasure with the whole team and coach and just saying you have to blow it up. This is how bad it is. You know, we're losing and we're getting embarrassed. So you, you just have to trade people, fire people, you know, that's the one thing that it could be. Cause it's just, they were so like lackadaisical last night. They didn't even play defense in the second half. They didn't even run back on defense a lot, which is, pretty terrible for a playoff game. Even if you're, even if you know, you're going to get swept, you should always run back. I mean that in the regular season, they do that um, now because of all the, everything's on film now. So. Well, it's weird. Cause it's also a game three. So like. At they acted like a game four closing. Or, or, or a game three, I guess was on the road, but still, but like you, yeah. you got to find a way to steal one back and make a series of it, you know? You just steal yeah, exactly. one, you'll get your next one at home, and then you, you can deal with it and kick the can down the road. So I'm going, I do. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Uh-huh. Doc Rivers is going back to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my, I was talking to my dad before the game. He Boston. thought that, that uh, Boston was going to win two and that the Lakers were going to win one here, and so it would be a five-game series in one and a six in the other. So it's possible. Yeah, I mean, for them pulling a – uh, coach off the bench that hasn't coached before to coach an NBA team, even if it's if it's the same philosophy to me is asinine, and that explains a lot <laughs> of why they fell apart like that. Thanks for the insight because I had no idea. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so uh, the Boston series, I think we've kind of you know being a dead horse, but the la- the next game potentially last game uh, is going to be tomorrow at eight thirty. Um, and that game will be on TNT. They're switching back and forth. So TNT has hockey and ESPN has basketball tonight, and then they flip it tomorrow, and they just keep on going back and forth because now they both networks have both sports, and so they're working together that way, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so game four would be tomorrow. Uh, game five, if necessary, would be Thursday at 8.30. Game six would be Saturday at 8.30, and game seven would be uh, next Monday at 8.30. Um so the Lakers have just taken the largest lead of the series, which is only a 12-point lead um, in their game. Um, and uh, so we'll see if they can hold on to that. On the Florida game, uh, the Florida is on the power play for the second time. The last time they were on the power play, they scored a Sam Reinhardt goal, his seventh of the playoffs. An assist by Matthew Kachuk is 12th, and Sam Bennett's seventh assist, uh, making it one nothing. 
and so uh, they have an opportunity to double up here. Uh, uh, Kachuk's brother was actually just being interviewed. He's from the Ottawa Senators. Um, he's at the game uh, right now. So yeah, it's uh, an interesting um, couple of games here. Let's, uh, uh, Carol or Tim, any final thoughts on the Heat Celtics before I move on? Uh, no, let's go ahead and get into this uh, series. Looking like the Lakers trying to force it to game five. They put up a good fight, like you say, up by 12. Uh, LeBron's feeling uh, feeling kind of special tonight, looking like he's uh, getting getting involved on, uh, as Tim said, every touch uh, is coming down the court. They're putting it through their best player, which is definitely going to be uh, a good recipe for them. But uh, like I said, I'm still going with Nuggets and Foam. Yeah, let's, let's break down these games real quick. Um, I'm going to run through all the games real fast and then Tim and Carol, I'll get your thoughts on the whole series, uh, just to sort of speed it up a little bit. Uh, the first game, uh, the Nuggets, uh, started off very strong, outscored them by 12 in the first, sort of set the tone, outscored by six in the second. Um, the Lakers, uh, kind of came back a little bit in the third, it came back a, a decent amount in the fourth to make it close. Uh, but the Nuggets ended up winning that game, uh, 132 to 126. Uh, in the first one, the second game was also really close. It was tied after one. Uh, the Lakers were up uh, by five at halftime. Uh, the Nuggets outscored them by two in the third, and they put together a really good fourth quarter, outscoring them 32 to 24 to take a 108 to 103 lead. That's a game that the Lakers, in my mind, had to try to steal. They had a huge opportunity on the road, uh, and it fell by the wayside. The next game, um, also somewhat close, but uh, a little bit uh, further than, than the two previous ones. The Nuggets uh, put together a great first quarter again, 32 to 20. Uh, the Lakers came back and outscored them by uh, nine in the second. And then um, in the third, it was very close, 27-26 Lakers. And in the fourth, the Nuggets uh, pulled away, outscored them 35 to 26 for a 119-108 to 108 victory. Um, and then the next game is the game that's happening right now uh, that we've been talking about. But Tim, what are some of your thoughts on um, a the sort of the lost momentum they had from game two, and then sort of the game three uh, where the Nuggets kind of uh, took over at the end? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I can understand after game one why a lot of people still were high on the Lakers. If you think about it, they only lost game one because they were so terrible in the first quarter, and they really did outplay the Nuggets, um, especially in the second half. And it, they did look like a team that maybe would figure out after one loss how to play. But game two, to me, was all about Murray just hitting every shot in the second half. It doesn't even matter. When he's hot, the defense doesn't really matter. They can try LeBron. Um, he gets tired he can't do it the whole game so they put a lot of other guys on him but it doesn't matter who it is he can hit step back threes you know he's I would say almost as good of a shooter as Steph when he's absolutely on fire I'm, he's not as good I'm just saying at his very best he just will not miss and that's that was him in the second half of game two and I just felt like the Lake, you know, you, you saw it on the Lakers' faces after Murray was hitting shot after shot. They would call a timeout. LeBron would just look like, you know, what, what could I possibly do more if he doesn't miss? I mean, that's the interesting thing about basketball. If one guy goes off 
he can beat a team himself, basically, that's outplaying the rest of the players a little bit. So that's the problem with the Nuggets against them. You know, they have the, the guy who won the MVP the last two years, and then they have Murray. And I think people were down on them because they didn't go very far the last two years, but Murray was hurt in both of those playoffs. And the last time he was healthy, they got to the Western Finals. So they're older now. They're better. Um, so I, I just think it's all clicking and they're healthy. Um, and I think the Lakers realized after game two, um, they're probably can't win the series. Um, you know, even though I, they could take a couple games, I could see that. Yeah. It's just sort of been a surprising series. I know Carol, you watched some of it and you thought some of the calls weren't great, uh, early on in game three. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on the series? Um, I'm just looking at Jokic numbers from the first three games. I just went and looked at them. First game, 34, 21, 14, two blocks. Six offensive rebounds with a 70% field goal percentage on that game. Game two, 23, 17, 12 with three steals, four offensive rebounds. He only shot 42% from the field. And in the third game, 24, 6, 8, and shooting 47%. Um yeah, those numbers are ridiculous, and it's looking like L.A. will hold court in this game unless uh, my, uh, Denver can make some nice adjustments to slow them down because uh, they uh, they look energized behind this crowd tonight. But uh, when they go back home to Denver, you know, I'm thinking they're uh, going to, you know, end it out there because they play a whole different ballgame. I don't think they've lost the game at home in the playoffs. But uh, like I said, this kid, Jokic, I had no idea, you know, I've watched some videos and seen some things and, you know, seen some of the stuff off the court with him and never really took it serious because never really watched his game. But this is an impressive kid, man. This dude, if what they said he had, what, 13 triple, 16 triple doubles in postseason already, which is like third all time. I mean, like I said before, he he reminds me of uh, the king of the dream, who, in my opinion, is one of the best centers to ever play the game that really doesn't get talked about. Yeah, no, I think it's for sure. I think, uh, I think that a lot of people were sleeping on the nuggets and I think that that pissed off uh, the nuggets. I mean, they're a number one seed and no, everyone was like, they don't have a chance against the Lakers. I just feel like it's just interesting that they got written off just because they were playing against LeBron. Um, but LeBron's not that same guy. And uh, so uh, I'll be interested to see. I do think that the Lakers will win this one. The next game will be in Denver on Wednesday at 8.30. I just don't see them winning that one and a game seven potentially on Sunday there. So the Nuggets have two chances to, uh, to and they've been playing so great at home. Uh, the Lakers would have game six on Friday at 8.30, but I just, uh, I don't think it even makes it to a game six personally. Um, but yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, Tim, on this series before... Uh, I'll let you guys, Carol, is your scene for baseball two out? Because if it is, I'll turn off my camera and you and Tim can chop it up for a minute while I, I go get water. Well, what I was going to get ready to do so we keep the basketball theme going. I was going to run through the Mystics uh, two games okay. and schedule real quick, then get into the net. So okay. I'm going to run through that real quick. If you wanted to go ahead and yeah. turn it off, let me sit. I'll turn this off and I'll put up my Mystics uh, graphic real quick. Swap that out. Uh, you guys can talk a little mystics for a second. I'll be right back, and then you guys can talk Nats after that. 
Sounds good. Yeah, Carol, do you, do you have a two up? Do you want me to turn off my camera? Would that be easier? Uh, no, you can leave it. You can leave it because uh. Okay, I just didn't know. Well, if you just I just transitioned to baseball after we talk mystics. Let me get the mystic stats up real quick. Oh, well, they're in the weekend review. Let me bring that one up. All right. Switch that feed. All right. As I mentioned, the Washington Mystics kicked their season off uh, last week. They are considered one of the uh, power teams in the WNBA. They've uh, considered to be stacked. They've made some additions to make them stronger defensively. And currently they're sitting one and one, started out the season showing that strong defensive effort against the New York Liberty. Uh, they won that game 80 to 64. Uh, Natasha Cloud uh, led the Mystics with 14 points, six rebounds, six assists, one steal and two blocks. Uh, their defense held New York to 34% shooting from the field. They they shot 46% from the field, 26% from behind the arc. Um, they did get out rebounded 40 to 32, which we aren't used to seeing with this team, but first game of the season. They had 23 assists on 32 shots made, had 13 steals, 16 points off turnovers, and had 35 points in the paint. Uh, they won that game pretty dominantly, led it throughout, and pretty much had a defensive stranglehold on the Liberty uh, that game. Next game up was against the Connecticut Sun, which is also considered another uh, strong power team in the WA. They're loaded and stacked and looking to make a run for the championship. Uh, if you recall, I believe Las Vegas Aces won the championship last season, I believe. Uh, the Mystics lost this game to the Connecticut Sun, 80-74. to uh, Elena Deladon led the Mystics with 19 points, 11 rebounds, one assist, one steal, and two blocks. Uh, they only shot 37% from the field, 28% from behind the arc. And uh, what really hurt them was at the free throw line. They only shot 69%. They hit 25 out of 36 uh, free throws. That's, you know, the difference in the game right there. Uh, they won the rebound in a battle 46 to 38. Uh, they had 17 assists on 25 shots made, seven steals, 11 points off turnovers, and had 30 points in the paint. Um, yeah, Connecticut just, uh, you know, played a good solid game. The missed free throws definitely hurt. And they weren't able to, I believe last game they had 13 steals. They forced, they had seven steals this game. You know, you can't always bank on them, but defense and turnovers always play a key role. Had 16 points off turnovers the first game, had 11 points off turnovers in this game. So we can see this team is going to be strong defensively. You know, they're still, you know, it's only second game of the season. They're poised to make a strong run to try to get another title after their 2019 championship. And uh, Tim, did you get a chance to check out either either one of these games, or you haven't? Uh, you're not a big WNBA fan. You're more of the NBA type. You know, I'm a I like WNBA more because it's more fundamental basketball. You see plays ran. You see, you know, solid defense for the whole game, not just in spurts. Do you? Uh, like the WNBA, are you more of just a NBA fan? I follow it a little bit here and there. Um, I'm more of an NBA fan. I've actually uh, been to a few games back in the day. 
they definitely um they definitely shoot better and um i would say pass better so they're they're more fundamental um and i think they're marketing the league a lot better recently because um you see griner coming back um i've heard a lot about new york has a super team so the mystics are always have been good for a while now like you said um i think they're a playoff team again but i believe in the east people are really thinking new york is dominant um and then i also heard that they're probably going to get a team in canada finally mm. because they sold out a, a preseason game exhibition in toronto just a week ago or so nice. so the game's uh growing um i know washington they've kept their team together um so i think they're going to do good things but yes yeah, it's, it's definitely getting uh tougher in in the east for sure yeah i wonder if the nba can follow those suit because the east still is so crazy like you like you said you got an eight seed about uh trying to sweep the number two seed but um, they have – the Mystics have two more games, two games this week. Uh, they have a rematch versus the Sun. It was a home-and-home. Home. They'll be uh, at the St. Elizabeth's uh, East Entertainment Sports Arena. Still haven't been there yet. Might have to reach out and see if we can get our credentials back for the Mystics. I might have to head down to another yet another new arena in the D.C. area. Uh, that game is Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And then they travel to Chicago to play the Chicago Sky, who's also 2-0 on Friday, at a, and that's an 8 o'clock start. And I'm sure you better catch those games on Monumental Sports. And on that note, I'll go ahead and switch into our next talk. Let me get the graphics up for next. Where did it go? There we go. There. All right, let's get into some Nets talk. Currently sitting 20 and 27, seven games under 500. Uh, they had a, if you count the game against the Mets on Monday, they had a three and four week. We covered that last week. So technically, in my opinion, they had a two and four week. Uh, unfortunately, they got swept by the Marlins and they won two out of three versus the Tigers in the interleague play. And I just want to remind all the Nets fans, I know, you know, how bad the team is and yada, yada, yada. Remember those seasons when we used to torment the Marlins and what we won like 18 in a row against them and was putting up double digits on a regular basis and they were so bad and getting number one picks. This is what happens on the other side of that. <laughs> when the team starts to get better and then your team is rebuilding, retooling and not in, best, in, the, in the best shape in certain aspects of the game. And unfortunately now, we're on the other side of that rebuilding, retooling. Unfortunately, our owners haven't been successful uh, and successful at retaining talent that we've had on this team. And that's foreshadowing the upcoming uh, games coming in with San Diego, one of those teams. And it still hurts and sucks to see Juan Soto not in a Nationals uniform. Moment of silence, please. They still sell, sorry for not remembering the moment of silence, but they still sell his jersey for $90 in the stadium as of Friday, which is crazy to me. Not even discounted, but. No, man. It's, it's I mean, the talent that this team has unfortunately not been able to retain is, you know, upsetting, but, you know, Rendon, he's been a little injury played, so. Okay, Trey, he's still been balling doing this thing. Max, 
still doing his thing. That was trade. I know trade, but still, you know, when you look at the roster now, what we had, it's kind of tough. So I understand the frustration from the fans, but I was there, you know, the hundred loss season. So I've been to the yeah, bottom. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel that bad, obviously. I think they're a little better than those teams, at least yeah. maybe significantly better. And they got the ring. So yeah. like you said, yeah. it's the other side. Um, at least you've seen them, you know, build up a championship team before. So maybe they can do it again. They're not um, completely unproven as a franchise. Yeah, we're going to have to definitely see what's up with Strasburg because uh, if we can get him back to at least pitching, doesn't even have to be the playoff Strasburg, just pitching like his old self. That'll add a, uh, you know, definitely add some, you know, add something to this team and give them a spark that they could need to, you know, get on the other side of 500. Not saying make the playoffs and go on a run, but, you know, get above 500, stay around that area. They already, like I said, seven games under. But, um, yeah, he's yeah. been out forever. I hope he comes back. And it's crazy yeah. that he just a couple of years ago, Corbin and he were winning championships and pitching great in the playoffs. And now that's baseball because pitchers get hurt all the time and um, they fall off quick, too. So well, Strasburg, one thing that a lot of people don't remember when he first came out, they said with his throwing motion, you can expect some Injuries yeah. later in his career because of his throwing motion. That's why he started, uh, you know, throwing uh, throwing out of the stretch or not right. throwing whatever adjustment that he made, and that helped. But because of the velocity, the torque, his size, and how much you know velocity he gets on the ball, that you can expect that. That's why a lot of fans don't recall it. The Nationals did protect themselves with that contract that they gave him, you know, with the injury clause and stuff like that. So they're. If he doesn't return back to form and get back on the mound, they are able to recoup some of that money or they had it already worked out in a deal. But uh, I would love to see him come back. I was just watching some of it. I watched his, uh, I don't know why, but I watched his debut against Pittsburgh, the 14 strikeout game. I had it on my DVR. Had to watch it again. Yeah, that's a mass and classic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's, they, uh, they play it still. Oh, hey, I, I recorded it the last time they played it, so I made sure I got it. But uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, the team isn't as bad. You know, you got some young players that are starting to find their way. Some of the prospects that came up, you know, got their taste of the majors, went back down. Pitching, you know, they've been – the bullpen has been solid numbers-wise, but there's been some hiccups here and there that, uh, you know, giving up walks and, you know, runs that inherited that they were, you know, getting out of jams before, but unfortunately haven't been been as uh, fortunate this uh season so far but let's go ahead and get into the week it was i'm gonna go ahead and run through these games real quick as i mentioned they were swept by the marlins uh the first game was a five to four loss uh andrew nardini earned the victory that put him at three and one he went one inning giving him no hits or runs with one strikeout and no walks hunter harvey uh took the loss that dropped him to two and one he went two-thirds of an inning giving up three hits three runs with one strikeout and no walks uh unfortunately the Nets came back and as I just mentioned Hunter Harvey uh in the bottom of the ninth wasn't able to hold it down and lock it down and gave up three runs for the walk-off win for the Marlins in the top of the sixth lane Thomas had a solo home run that had put the Nets uh, on the board and had them down two to one top of the eighth Candelero had an RBI single making it two to two and Dominic Smith had a two-run RBI single, giving the Nets a 4-2 lead. 
going into the ninth. And as I mentioned, unfortunately, Hunter Harvey wasn't able to close the door and they were able to come back and walk off the net. So I turned the TV off as soon as it happened. I, I saw the pitch, I heard the sound, and I didn't even want to see the rest of it. Second game was a 4-3 loss. Edward Cabrera took, uh, earned the victory that put him at 3-3. Three and three. He went five innings, giving up five hits, two runs with six strikeouts to no walks. Mackenzie Gore took another loss, which drops him to 500. He's now 3-3. Three and three. He went five in the third, giving up five hits, four runs, seven strikeouts, and two walks. And Dylan Floro earned his third save of the season, going one inning, giving up one hit with no runs, no strikeouts, and no walks. Uh, top of the second, Corey Dickerson had a two-run home run, which gave the Nats a 2 nothing lead. And on top of the seventh, uh, Alex Call had a ground-out RBI which had the Nats down 4-3, and we weren't able to get any more offense after that. Took the loss 4-3 in that game and trying to avoid the sweep, but they were unsuccessful, losing the last game 5-3. Yuri Perez went five innings, giving up three hits, one run, six strikeouts, and one walk to earn his first victory of the season. That puts him at 1-0. Trevor Williams took the loss. That drops him to 1-2. He went six innings, giving him five hits, three runs with five strikeouts and one walk. And Dylan Floral earned his fourth save, going one inning with a clean ninth inning, no hits, no runs, no strikeouts and no walks. Top of the fourth, Candelero had a solo home run, uh, his fifth of the season. That had the Nats down three to one. Top of the eighth, Candelero had an RBI double, making it four to two at that point. And then Corey Dickerson later in that inning, had an RBI single, making it four to three. Uh, Detroit tacked on a run in the ninth to make the final score five to three. I mean, Detroit, I'm sorry, Miami. <laughs> I got ahead of myself uh, for the five to three loss, and the Marlins ended up sweeping the Nationals. Uh, going into the Detroit game, the Nets came back home looking to try to salvage this week in some way. Unfortunately, this series didn't start out any better because they took the first loss of the series in the first game, eight to six. Matthew Boyd earned the victory that put him at three and three. He went five and two thirds, giving up four hits, three runs with four strikeouts and one walk. Jake Irwin dropped his second in a row that puts him at one and two. He only lasted two and two thirds. Another short outing, last inning, last outing, he lasted four and two thirds. Uh, he had no hit ball up until that point and got shelled in that inning. This one, he didn't even get out the uh, third inning. He gave a two and he went two and two thirds, going to five hit six runs, four of those earned with one strikeout and four walks. Walks were the issue and he weren't able to get out of the jam and ended up giving up the runs. And Alex Lane earned his eighth save of the season for Detroit. He went an inning in the third, giving up no hits, no runs with two strikeouts and no walks. Uh, as Tim mentioned, I'll get his take on this game since he was there. They were down eight to nothing uh, before they got their first run, which was in the bottom of the six. CJ Abrams had an RBI double, which made it eight to one. Uh, then Lane Thomas uh, had a two run home run in that same inning, making it eight to three. The bottom of the seventh, uh, Dominic scores, uh, Dominic Smith scores on a wild pitch, making it eight to four. And Tybert Ruiz had a two run home run making it eight to six in the bottom of the seventh, but they weren't able to get any more runs to complete the comeback and fell eight to six. Uh, Tim, like you said, you stayed to the final pitch, getting given up 
eight runs and being down eight to nothing is a hard game in the stomach. You know, see them, like you say, fight and try to, you know, come all the way back, but then, you know, made it respectable. Uh, what was the atmosphere like and what was your sense of this uh, game that what got it out of hand? Was it just the, the bad pitching and Detroit was just ready for it or this is one you just chalk up and throw away, but you try to point out the good points of them fighting back? I, I think um, the radio guy had it right on, on the post game. The Nats played the first five innings like it was a Sunday afternoon game and they weren't awake yet, but it was a night game at home. Great crowd. <laughs> A uh, decent amount of Tigers fans, but the Nats fans came out because it's a Friday night. Great weather, but the Nats just didn't wake up, and they played really poor defense, especially early. They had two errors. Um, they didn't help out the young pitcher, especially in the first inning. That inning could have been one, two, three if the defense was just uh, solid. So with a young pitcher, when they make a few mistakes, they they – they com- compounded a lot because they, you know, they're not confident yet. Um, so that you got to help out your young pitcher, but it was, a, it was like two games, second half of the game, they played great defense, scored six runs. Um, but the Tigers back into the bullpen did lock it down. And the Nats had an opportunity with a guy on third in the seventh and only one out down eight to six, and they couldn't get an extra run. Um, I think even if it's just eight to seven going into the eighth or ninth, the Nats might come back with a walk off, but being down two and just not scoring there when you should um, gave the Tigers a little momentum to close it out. So that was the, that was their big chance at the end. Yeah. Came up a little short, but that's what you get with youth. You know, like you say, it took them a little while to wake up and you know get things going. So, right. Hopefully, you know, later on in the season, we won't see these things happen and we'll see some of these uh, results, you know, hopefully show up on the scoreboard and in the win column. Definitely. uh, Yeah, to finish up this series, they were on a four-game losing streak after uh, getting swept by the Marlins and losing that first game of the series. Then uh, they came back with two impressive performances, both two impressive pitching performances, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Patrick Corbin. Uh, it was a 5-2 win in game two of the series. That put him at three and five. He's actually had three quality starts back-to-back-to-back. He just hasn't got uh, run support. Uh, he hasn't been – he his slider still isn't what it used to be, but he's not giving up the long ball as much, which is a plus. Uh, as I said, he's now three and five. He went six innings, giving up six hits, two runs with three strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Alex Fuedo dropped the 0-2. He went – Five innings, giving a five hits, three runs with four strikeouts and no walks. And Cal Finnegan earned his knife save of the season, going one inning, giving him no hits, no runs, with one strikeout and no walks. Uh, in the bottom of the fourth, uh, Candelero hit a solo home run, his sixth of the season, making it a, a 2-1 game. The Nats were down. In the bottom of the fifth, uh, Lane Thomas, who's been on fire lately, hit his uh, sixth home run of the season. No, I'm sorry. That was a two-run RBI single. I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself because later on he hits his sixth in the next game. Uh, that put the Nats up three to two. In the bottom of the sixth, Kyber Ruiz had an RBI single, making it four to two. And in the bottom of the eighth, Candelero had an RBI double, making it five to two, which was the final score. And for the win on yesterday, the Nats won six to four behind five 
okay innings behind Josiah Gray, but that put him at four and five. He gave up three hits, one run with two strikeouts, but had six walks. Normally he has one of those starts every season since we've had him. He'll have one where he just, you know, loses his location, his you know, release point or whatever, and has a high walk game, but we've already seen him have, what, three double-digit uh, strikeout games. So uh, you can, you know, he's still young, still find his way, but he got some run support for the third game out of four, which is, you know, there was an issue in the beginning of the season when he was starting out 0-4. Um, Joey Wentz took the loss. That dropped him to one and four. He went two innings, giving up two, 10 hits, six runs, one strikeout, and no walks. And Hunter Harvey earned his second save of the season, going one inning, giving up no hits, no runs, and two strikeouts, and no walks. Uh, the Nats got started early on the offensive side. Um, bottom of the first, Joey Menezes had an RBI single, making it one to nothing. Uh, Stone Garrett had an RBI single, scoring him, making it, scoring uh, Menezes, making it two to nothing. Uh, Dominic Smith had a, a fielder's choice RBI, making it three to nothing in the bottom of the first. Then in the bottom of the second, Riley Adams hit his second home run of the season, a solo shot, making it four to nothing. In the bottom of the third, Ildiarmo Vargas. I don't know why I love saying his name. I don't know why. Just, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool baseball name. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like Mika Zibanejad in hockey. I don't know why I love his name. I hate that he <laughs> had a, a four-game goal against us, but I love his name. I don't know why. Uh, Vargas had a two-run home run, his first of the season, making it 6-1 to at that point. And Detroit got a couple of runs later on in that game to make it a little bit respectable. But the Nats were able to uh, win the series and salvage the week at 2-4, and four, winning the game 6-4. to four. Upcoming this week, as I said, they have the Padres coming to town uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday and Wednesday is a 7.05 start. Thursday is an 8.05 start. And then they travel to Kansas City for some more interleague play in the weekend with a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Friday is an 8.10 start. Saturday is a 4.10 start. And Sunday is a 2.10 start. So uh, the Padres are under 500 also. They're kind of in a similar position offensively, defensively, and standings-wise with the Nationals. So this should be an interesting uh, matchup. Uh, it's going to suck seeing Juan Soto back in a different uniform, but I still love watching him play, man. I'm not going to love watching him play this weekend, this week, but uh, when he's not here playing against us, he's still one of the favorite people I like to watch. Yeah, that'll be an emotional game back, but – It'll be, it'll, it should be exciting. Yeah, it just sucks to see him in a different uniform, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. All right. Um, well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of uh, a multiple different segments tonight. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was helpful. a good time. Good, um, good hanging out with you guys. Yeah, and you're more than welcome to join Carol. I know he's going to do an update, you know, the NBA finals in a couple of okay, weeks. Okay, sweet. And, um, uh, I'll give the keys over of the Zoom to him, and you guys can still all uh, join him over there. I know Arun wanted to talk, but he was uh, busy with uh, other matters tonight, but I'm sure I would like to talk about it down the line as well. Yeah. But, um, I appreciate you coming Definitely. on every week, as you always have, and happy belated birthday. We did mention happy birthday last week on the stream. Yeah, appreciate uh, but, that. Thank you. Sad yeah, I missed yeah. it, but um, I was yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm glad happy I that you 
I'm happy you had a good birthday. That's the important thing. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's awesome. Well, Tim, we'll uh, catch you on Carol's feed in a couple of weeks, maybe. And uh, I'm sure Definitely. I'll see you in the next couple of weeks myself. So I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Talk to you guys later. Bye. All right, Tim. Take it easy, man. All right, Carol. With that, I'm going to let you give your little sign off for your end of it. And then people can stay live on if they go to Facebook.com slash sports OTHP they get the live feed uh, that will have uh, this interview uh, with Jeremy from Moonlight Social uh, also if you get us on our Twitch feed um, you know twitch.tv slash Robbie G underscore sports OTHP and all the links like always are on sports under the socials button uh, and especially if you want to catch Carol uh, in the couple of months that uh, I'm not going to be on in the next couple of months uh, you definitely should check out his Facebook page and his YouTube channel and all those links are on sports OTHP hp.com as well under the socials under team sports OTHP and the YouTube link is in the banner uh, and Carol will keep the Nats coverage going all summer long but uh, Carol any final thoughts before we let you go uh, no just as always appreciate you guys tuning in appreciate team sports OTHP always you know doing anything um, you know probably check out the rest of this Lakers game before I hit the bed um, stay on the lookout as always, we got some things in the works, you know, training camps coming up. Um, keep very close to Ashburn. So you might see your boy out there, you know, showing some live footage, streaming live from my page, Sports OTHP page. Also be on the lookout for some financial planning uh, podcast possible coming out. It's information being uh, put out on my page. Um, if you need any financial planning, just sit down, get a financial snapshot to see where you're sitting at, no obligation. If you like what you see, you like what you're doing, you know, it's cool. If you don't like what you see and, you know, need some solutions and some issues that you see and shortcomings, that's what I'm here for. So be sure to inbox me, hit me up. I've already had a couple of folks contact me in the process of talking to them. So feel free. We're going to do a lot of financial education uh, things going on because, you know, we all need to learn some more, especially myself. So uh, can't wait to expose folks to some things that they need to know being a working with New York Life, you know, the best insurance and financial institution in this country. Go look it up. <laughs> it's documented. Um, be on the lookout. We will be having boxing talk probably coming up soon. We got a lot of things going on with boxing. I was just talking to Paul, the boxing guy, a little while ago. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I'm in the process of scouting locations out here in Northern Virginia to possibly have another venue like we did with martinis for the pre-game and post-game show so i've been checking out a couple spots about to start putting some things together and reaching out to some of these owners and managers so uh be on the lookout in northern virginia vienna fairfax annandale area you might see some things popping up with sports OTHP pre-game and post-game show for the commander season upcoming so stay tuned for that and uh as always, appreciate you, Robbie. I know this is your last show before you take your vacation to go travel the world and such with young Zach and young Zara getting more frequent flyer miles than myself. <laughs> and I uh, hope you guys uh, have a safe travels and Liz, you know, the wonderful family. Hopefully we can get y'all out here after y'all come back from your travels. 
coming out here and uh yeah i will quickly say that just so people if they want to follow me um my youtube channel i'll still keep you know doing vlogs and stuff like that of my travels uh and i keep my facebook page and instagram page up to date as well so i won't disappear completely i'm just taking a break from the podcasting uh it's pool season want to have some time with them but uh, i'm doing this really cool trip carol uh we're in two weeks we're going to try to go to 10 states and do all of New England, and we're gonna drive it. So not even frequent flyers. We're gonna we're gonna actually drive it with two little kids. It's, it seems kind of scary, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. We're gonna go to a, a children's museum in each state, each one each day, and uh, or a zoo or something fun. And we're gonna geotag it, take pictures in each state, and it'll be a cool thing on Instagram that people can go back and you know Zach will be able to go back and Zara too uh, when they're older and say, oh, we got to go to the thirteen. We're going to see all the 13 original colonies except for Georgia, I think. So uh, we're going to hit North and South Carolina as well on a separate trip. And uh, then we're going to visit you in Virginia. We're going to try to find a way to get out to West Virginia and hit D.C. as well and try to do 15 states and D.C. all in one summer. So um, it should be a, a busy and fun summer. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to it. But why I, I won't be podcasting, um, but uh, I, Carol got it, got it covered, and I hope that you guys love his Nats coverage. And I'll definitely be back in September, uh, when, and uh, maybe I'll do a pop-up stream or join Carol for part of one stream every once in a while, um, but it just won't be the, the regular thing. Uh, I also want to maybe do an art stream pop-up on my channel at some point to do some merch. Uh, so uh, I might do that if I'm super amped at the end of this podcast. I might do it on some other day, so to be determined on that. But uh, So it might... There, things might pop up with me, but I just the regular stuff. Uh, well, I'm taking a break for a little bit, but Carol, thank you so much for carrying the torch. I, I appreciate that I got to carry the torch for a big part of this season, uh, for you. And it, that's what Team Sports OTHP is about that we've got each other's back and uh, we, we got each other covered. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, you have a good rest of the show. As always, CP3 live from the lab. I'm out. DC Sports by the politics. It's not just a catchphrase, it's not just a motto. It's what we do, and I'm out. All right. With that, I uh, thank Carol uh, for joining us as always, and uh, we're going to switch gears here. I'm going to switch up my graphic right now to our hockey graphic, and we're going to bring in our special guest, um, Jeremy from Moonlight Social. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend. Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? Hello. Hello. I'm wonderful. How are you? That's good. It's fun to get to actually chat with you uh, instead of through the keyboard frantically, you know, <laughs> spinning jokes at each other, you know, while I'm uh, working and you're uh, performing. And uh, but it's great to actually have you uh, on my show and get to talk a little bit of hockey. I know um, for people that don't know, I, I, I did, used to do a show uh, called uh, Streamers in Sports uh, where people talked about their life outside of music and streaming. And it was a series where I got to hear about all their favorite sports teams and all and break all of that down. And so I thought for the last show, uh, before I go on a hiatus, we'd do like a miniature version of that. And I'd get to know a little bit more about you uh, and how you became a hockey fan. Uh, and um, we'll talk a little bit about the playoffs as well. Uh, we'll talk about this live game, which Florida's um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, up one nothing. Um, there has been some news that uh, we'll talk about where uh, a, a Carolina fan has doxxed uh, some of the Florida's players and there were some bomb threats and just some ugly stuff. Uh, I hate that it's one fan because I have a lot of friends that are fans of Carolina. I don't want to paint every fan is doing this. Um, uh, I do 
like series. I don't like things that are blowouts. Like I, I prefer like something to be a little bit more interesting. So I was kind of pulling for Carolina to win here. Um, I don't know if you have a feeling one way or another between Florida or Carolina. I mean, yeah, I was actually thinking about this not that long ago. I was like, you know, I think if you talk to most sports fans or even just people who are going into a game or about to watch a game, you know, if you said, I won't tell you what the who's going to win the game, but you can either pick it will be a blowout or it'll be a close game. I think most people, even if you're playing your rival, and you're like, God, I want to crush them. Most people say like, I had close game. Right. And so with this series, too, it's like. I, same as you, you know, Florida Panthers right now, they very much look a lot like the Nashville Predators looked when I first got to town. The first year I was here, they had that run where they were last in. They swept Chicago, who was the president's cup, uh, the president trophy winner. I believe that year swept them in the first round, had this incredible run, you know, made it all into the finals and lost to Pittsburgh. And so it's like, <laughs> it, I feel like Florida, Pan, the Panthers have a bit of that energy around them right now. And so, like, I naturally want them to, you know, succeed, but knowing full well that my team still has a chance to be on the other side of them, uh, I'm kind of pulling. Yeah, I, I want it to be a series. We'll just say that. I want it to be a series. Right. You definitely want it to be a series because you want to tire them out before you play whoever team. You know, it's not – it won't do you any favors if Florida sweeps and they got a plenty of time to rest and get ready. Although sometimes hockey's a weird sport. Sometimes rest isn't so good. There's been times where teams have swept and then – gotten swept because it too much time has passed it's a weird uh, you know thing with timing and trying to get into an energy and a momentum it's hard to explain and it's so it's always so convenient for the tv analysts right they can they can either say oh this team was coming off an emotional game seven so they had a down game in game one of the next series or they could say oh they still have the energy and the fight and so they came out they won game one of the next like they just pick you know they just take the narrative and it's either a or b and they just choose which one works. So I agree. It's like, who knows? I, yeah, I, it's the same thing as, as home ice advantage, you know, this year, the away teams are winning a lot, but you're still going to ask every coach, every team you want game seven at home or away. They're going to say at home, you know, it's funny that you say that because I think for every team, I would agree with you except for one. And that's my team. Cause the Capitals <laughs> have the worst home game seven record in like the history of hockey. And like the few that they've won game sevens have all been on the road. And so, you know, Boston series, I remember that one in 2012, the one obviously, um, you know, in, in the cup run against Tampa Bay, they won in Tampa Bay in a game seven. And it was funny because I was digging up old footage. And one of the things I like about that this thing is simul streamed on Facebook is that I get memories, right, of old things. And so five years ago, you know, when they were going on that run. Uh, we did a pregame show for game six. And at the time, you know, we won the first two games. We lost the next three and it wasn't looking good uh, for them going into um, it was a home game, but you know, home elimination games haven't been great for, you know, Capitals fans in the past. And they were able to shut them out. And it was a very exciting game. Uh, then they ended up being able to go into a game seven. And we spent the entire episode trying to be positive. It was a pregame <laughs> show and be like, we've got this. We're going to come back. And it was, it was just great listening to that now. Yeah, And everyone in chat was like, yeah, we've got this. We'll force a game seven. And, then, you know, we know that what that pressure will bring. And so, um, yeah, it, it was just interesting that we, we wanted it on the road in that circumstance. But I understand what you're saying. I just I just found I didn't realize Stars uh, victory over the Kraken in game seven was the first time they had beaten a team other than Colorado in a game seven, which, you know, like Stars have a cup. They have a lot of playoff success like they're a good team. First, I did not realize that 
They either went so few to game seven or they lost so many game sevens. <laughs> game sevens are such a toss up and it's such a weird dynamic. Sometimes it's really close overtime, really close. Sometimes it's a blowout. I mean, we've gotten blown up by New York a couple of times in game sevens where it wasn't even close. And you're like, how did we get here that we forced a game seven? But like, you still like didn't even make a dent, you know? Yeah. I still remember driving up to, to a Dallas game seven versus St. Louis and, you know, it being five, nothing St. Louis in the middle of third and just being like, I still have to drive three hours back to austin after this this is like how did this happen <laughs> you know like the worst drives ever oh yeah i've been at such soul crushing losses for the capitals in the playoffs of my i think the worst one was i went to a game five and it, and it kind of reminded me a lot of this first round between florida and boston because up until this year no team only one team had lost when they were up three one and were a president's trophy winning team and it was the capitals and so i went <laughs> to game five and we lost and I left the stadium saying, we're going to lose the next two and lose this whole series because Halak was just so incredible. On the other side, I was like, there's just no answer to him. It wasn't like we weren't trying. We put together a great game plan. We only got one pass. And I'm like, if he keeps this up, it's over. And sure enough, he shut it down and, you know, ended us. And it was so rough because I had gotten to game two also in that series where Nicholas Backstrom got an overtime game winner. It was a hat trick. It was a big deal. And I was like, oh, we've got this. I was like, I'll go to the next home game. And then it was like the total opposite feeling. And I was like, I left knowing that it was just over. And we were still up, you know, three, two in that series. But yeah. you just, that happens in these, you know, playoffs where it's just these soul crushing defeats. And you're like, I don't know how you come back from that. And it's weird. I feel it's very different than basketball. Like I'm watching two playoff games right now simultaneously. And I feel like basketball, every game is its own game. Where hockey, it's like these series and these periods go on these runs and this energy that goes back and forth and momentum and crazy fluky bounces. And it's just, it's hard to explain. Well, and you know, they say like with basketball, like it's more than any sport one player can take over. And and that, that's generally true, I believe, until you look at the playoffs in, in hockey, because, you know, the goalie, it just who, who knows what's going on. I mean, it's the same thing with Bob and, you know, Bobrovsky in Florida right now. It's like, dude was, you know, he's he's had his ups and his downs. He's fairly average this year and he's just on and he's stealing these games, man. I mean, you know, overtime games like they're close. It's the same thing with my team. We're down 0-2. Um, you know, first game probably deserved to lose. Second game genuinely felt like a victory the entire game until it's like, well, we lost. And that's soul crushing, like you said. Um, but, you know, it's like with, with Florida. It's, yeah, it's, it's all Bob right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. The first 10 minutes of this next game for Dallas, I think, are going to be so crucial because they've got to because it's easy for momentum and a scoring in overtime and that energy into it. And you're going to have to shut that down and ride your own energy from your crowd and really play such a solid time. It's not that you have to score. It's that you cannot allow them to score in the first 10 minutes, Yeah, you know, and, you know, stifle some of that. Well, I, I think, you know, the stat is somewhere around like eight to 10% of the time. If you go down, uh, you know, zero games to two, you'll, you'll win that team will win the series. I think it's a little better for us, maybe 15 to 20, just based off of our series history with Vegas. The fact that we really did play really, really well that second game. Um, you know, there are some factors. I do believe we are a more talented team overall. Like they are obviously a good team. They beat us in the standings and they have a great solid foundation. But like if it does come down to to scoring, I, I believe we have more weapons. So like obviously still down to a game, you know, zero to two. Uh, 
still don't feel great about it, but I give us slightly better than the typical 10% chance to come back and win this series. I definitely think you guys win game three. You guys had, you know, we've talked about this on your stream, you know, about how much you guys have been able to come back after losses. I know that this, it kind of broke in tradition here, but everything did man ah like we we don't lose when we're up uh you know after two periods we don't lose in a second after a loss like and then overtime hit and i'm just like but here's the other way to say it i think that that stat wasn't going to hold through the whole thing right so you've gotten out of the way it's no longer a thing (laughs) maybe it's a new round and maybe you you know lose the first two and you win the next two and then it's the same back and forth it's just takes a couple more games to get there so um because it's interesting you know the ebbs and flows through the capitals run you know there was you know they lost their first two games right and uh you know the third game went to an overtime and you know it could have easily lost it but found some way to claw back in and win it and they were able to go on a, on a huge run and weirdly enough you know the caps on all four rounds won on the road right so like you know, it, you have to win some games on the road, but it could be a clinching game. It could be a game down the line. So Dallas, I think, has been super strong. I've been very impressed with them in this whole, you know, playoff run. And, you know, the crack can be like, oh, they're an expansion team. They were a great team. And it's, you know, it, I, a lot of props should be given to the Kraken for that run. They had. Yeah, man, that, that was fun, too. And, you know, like, yes, as a homer, I think you and I would both prefer that we're, you know, we're all up for nothing at the end of the first period and we can just breathe easy for the rest of the game. But but the reality is, like, those are fun games to watch. And I like, you know, I don't like the anxiety. I don't like the heart rates elevated, but I like winning game seven or going, you know, going the distance. I like the overtime games as much as as the casual fan. You just you know, the highs are higher and the lows are lower. So that was a fun series. The wild series was a frustrating series um, because there was a lot of nastiness. There was a lot of after game, you know, chirp. And there was a lot of coaches talking about penalties. There was, there was a lot of controversy. That's not fun, but when it's like a clean series, nobody's, when nobody's complaining about the refs, you know, then, you know, it's like, this is a fun series. So yeah, that Kraken team, I think is, is going to be fun no matter who they play. Right. I think that they're really built it smartly. They took a lot of defensive players in the draft, which is a very opposite approach uh, to the way that Vegas did. But I think that Vegas did it in such a way that teams were ready for that and they weren't going to give up the same players. And the Kraken saw who was available and who was protected and who wasn't said, hey, we can just get a ton of D and flip some of them for other prospects and just go the complete other route because it's sort of the unprotected route that was left for them. And although I don't think you'll have as quick a return as Vegas did, you know, being in the playoffs as, as often as Vegas has been finals uh, first year, right? right first, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but in a couple of years that could build, you know, the, where the defense starts to gel and they get together and they still have that chip on their shoulder. Cause you can still say all these teams passed on us and, you know, galvanized behind a single player. And yeah. It'll be do you think that's, do you think that's a real thing though? I mean, how, how, how long until for- that, Vegas, it definitely happened. They even talked about that. That was a thing that they put onto their first two seasons. Yeah. I don't know if Seattle is the same, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because they didn't do it in their first year. So it's a little bit different every year that goes on. You know, you now have influx of other players and I feel like that dissipates over time. So yeah. it's probably only a feeling you get in the first couple of seasons. And also, you know, Vegas being the first expansion team in such a long time. And all of a sudden everybody realizing like, Oh, you know, snap like the nhl did this expansion thing because they wanted the team to be competitive early like the way it's built like 
And I get it. I'm for it. I don't want to see new markets struggle for 15 years. You know, I don't like it like the Houston Texans. Right. Um, we already have Arizona struggling. We don't need another. Yeah. Yeah. Like I yeah. get it. Be competitive immediately or at least within the first couple of years. That's cool. But now same thing with Seattle. It's like they came in. They knew like, hey, actually, if we do this right, this is, you know, we're going to have a leg up over the, these other teams are like St. Louis. It took us 50 years to win. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, at some point, it's your fault. I mean, I felt that as a Caps fan because, I mean, they yeah. started in the 70s, right? And it took us all the way. And I was it was sucky because, uh, well, as I'm kind of curious now to go back. So my original fandom started in 98 because uh, uh, my dad took me to a cup final game and I got to watch uh, the Detroit Red Wings hoist the cup in our building. But it was still a really cool moment. I'm like, we've got Ole, we've got all these great players. We'll get back here pretty soon, right? I did not expect 20 years. But, you know, it's, um, yeah. I, you at least felt good about it. I, it was a really incredible moment with my dad. My dad even got to take me and my son to a game this year. And and so uh, it's something that we got to to do together. Uh, how did you start your love of hockey? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty weird because like I, I grew up between two places, uh, Hawaii and Lubbock, Texas, neither oh, wow. of which are known for their, you know, hockey breeding grounds. So it was kind of one of these things where we got this team in Lubbock. So I, I did some roller hockey early on as oh, a cool. kid before. Yeah, before we had ice. Um, then we had like a little half sheet of ice at one point, you know, that we kind of like skated around on. And eventually, um, because Lubbock, Texas has a college town, uh, has a, a college there, Texas Tech University, it's, it's a bit of a college market. Um, but they also have kind of like this, you know, age demographic, they think like, well, if you sell enough beer, you could probably sell enough tickets for a minor league team. So they brought a team to Lubbock uh, and the, it was the first, it was the W, it's like the WHL and then it became the CHL. You know how all those minor leagues like come in and go out and like views and, and like they don't last very long. But yes. uh, the Lubbock Cotton Kings was the name of the team. And that was in the late 90s. And so as soon as they got there, having done roller hockey, you know, knowing that they were the cheapest tickets in town, it's cheaper than any of the, the Texas Tech sport games. We immediately just started going. Um, it didn't take long before I became a Stars fan. Obviously, I did not realize being a Stars fan, you know, 98, 99 was a pretty good time to be a Stars fan. Uh, did not sure. understand how great that was, you know, to, to come in and immediately. So unlike you, like my fandom, <laughs> I was like, oh, we're champions. Neat. Um, but, but I don't really claim that one, you know, because I was still learning the rules of the game. I was still learning what it takes to get there. It's a very similar time period though, right? Cause that yeah. was right around the same time as the Capitals lost, wasn't it? So what year was that? That was. So they won uh 99, 2000. Yeah. And then so they the lost next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They lost wow. to, uh, yeah, it was, it was the year after. And then they, they lost to the devils and, uh, six games the following year. So they, they were trying to repeat and they lost. Um, and of course I cared more then because I knew more about it. But yeah, I mean, I played too, you know, we, I played hockey all through, through high school. I was a goalie. Um, we didn't have like a high school team. It was just all of the, you know, the, could we scrounge together, you know, 15 to 20 kids in Lubbock, Texas who could play hockey. That was it's pretty like, much what it was like mighty ducks, but Texas style, right? Exactly. You know, and we, yeah. you know, the teams we would play were like the other cities nearby that had minor league teams. And when I say nearby, every, the closest town is two hours away, right? It's wow. a two hour drive. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty podunk version of, of hockey, but, it, but I, I, I loved it. And it was, you know, still one of my favorite, um, sport experiences. And, and so it just became a natural kind of extension, even when the, the, the cotton Kings, um, you know, went defunct and I went to Austin, I, I briefly thought about playing for the college team there. It's just a, 
the University of Texas, just like a, a club team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a, they had a team, the Austin Ice Bats. Then eventually, I was just close enough. So I was like, I'm just going to start going up to Stars games. Um, I had gone to a couple games before that. Like my mom had gotten me, you know, one year for Christmas, a trip to the Stars game. Uh, we went, we we watched them beat Detroit. You know, which at the time we were still really big rivals with Detroit because we were in the same division, and we won in a shootout. And it was just like, it was just you know everything you want your very first like team in-person victory to be so uh, yeah it's just grown since there it's the disease has has perpetuated <laughs> right exactly because it's such a i uh, i don't know i i feel very strongly watching all the different sports but hockey games get the heart rate going in a way that none of the other ones do for me like it's it's a roller coaster of emotions the offense the defense switching back and forth like football at least you know what side of the field you're on you can kind of position yourself on what you're doing you're rooting against something or for something now random shit does happen but like you know like it, it's a very different even in basketball where there's the flow back and forth you know that you're expecting that right hockey there could be a lot of momentum one way and then it all shifts and all the energies on the other side yeah. of the ice and it can happen on a dime you know it's just it's crazy. how often do we see a great save or a post and then a goal at the other end. I mean, it happened to the stars, you know, it happened to the stars. Wyatt Johnson, point blank, just miss 30 seconds later, game over the other way, you know? Right. And so it's, I, I love it. I have tried, and this is probably the, the wrong place to say that, but I have tried to like reduce the amount of effect that sports have on my life, specifically my <laughs> mental state. Um, right. So I've, I've done a better Sorry. job as, yeah, especially like college sports. Um, you know, I was in the drum line at the University of Texas. So everything we did was for the football team. You know, it's like I was there when Colt McCoy got hurt and we lost the national championship. Like it so I've tried to, you know, the Texas losing the final four. Like I've I've just been okay with that. Hockey is like the last bastion where I still get really emotional. And so um, but it's also my favorite sport to take people to. I, you know, here in Nashville, it's like, this is a hockey town. So it's not that hard to, you know, you get a lot of fans, but you have a lot of people coming in who still have never been people moving up here from other places and never been to a game. And so I love taking them to games because they get that same sense of excitement that you just talked about, you know, without even really knowing the rules. They're like, oh, I see why this is fun. Yeah, especially live. I think it is one of the yeah. greatest sports live. I mean, you can, it, you lose a lot through TV, like, you know, and, um, you know, I still will watch a game, but like, it's not nearly the same as being there in person, which is why I'm so happy my dad got my son and I like glass tickets and he got to be like right up close and just yeah, really soak it in. And, um, you know, unfortunately we lost as the caps do. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> hey they, man, I was rooting yeah. for y'all and, and, and trots and all those guys. Like I was, yeah, I was really, I you know, know, that thing was great. Yeah, it was interesting. So when the Stars play Nashville, you're still more of a Stars fan, right? When you're 100%. still rooting for them. Yeah. I'm still so. my jersey in the arena being the heel cheering yeah, yeah. real loud. And we we, next have a... we come back in the other jersey. Yeah, yeah like yeah, I'm yeah, all for it, man. Yeah. I think yeah. the, the Preds I, have, I love it too. Yeah. They have a, an awesome home environment, probably better than the Stars, if I got to be honest. I mean, it's been a little while since I've been to a Stars game, but those Preds games like when they were talking, talking them up on, on TV during the, the finals and stuff like it's, it's, it's true. It's a great environment. They have this like kind of weird hockey chant thing going on, or excuse me, like soccer kind of, you know, chant amalgam. They, they're just, it's a fun place. Um, you know, the arena is right in the middle of downtown and it's just, it's cool. It's a good vibe. So I, I totally dig it, but yes, I love wearing my away Jamie Ben Jersey and um, especially those years where we just have their number. It's fun that they become a rival more than, right. you know, it's, it's fun. I like it. It's interesting to root for two rival teams, you know, but I totally respected how it's come about, but like, it's gotta be an interesting 
dynamic because I, I feel the same way. I so I've had a similar issue in my life. So I grew up an Orioles fan, you know, in, in baseball, yeah. and then um, they didn't Nationals didn't exist when I was growing up. I went to college in Philadelphia. I became a Phillies fan, right? And uh, they became really good. And they, in fact, won it all in 2008, right after I graduated. So I even went back for homecoming and to celebrate, you know, them winning it all. And it was Halloween. It was like a really epic party weekend, right? So, you know, I was a pretty big fan, was struggling becoming a Nats fan because it's like the Nationals at the time were a hundred lost team. It's like, why am I going to leave this really good Philadelphia team? And suddenly just because you appeared in my life, like now becoming, it was cool though, because when I was in Philly on 04-04-05, the Nats had their very first game in history and it was in Philadelphia. So I got to mm. go and I decided at that time, whoever won the game, I'd root for for the rest of the season. So I'd go to one game, <laughs> let them decide it. I stayed, and, man. and um <laughs> And Philly won the first 10 times that I did that. So, but finally, Jason Worth came over to the Nationals. They got better. They won. And I became a Nationals fan and I I haven't gone back. But it's, um, it was an interesting dynamic because they were rivals. Like, but some people really hated the Phillies. I'm like, "Ah, I can't hate them. Like, you know, so it's, it's a very bizarre thing rooting for multiple teams in the same division. This is being in, I mean, I've been in Nashville for almost seven years now, but it's the first time I've lived in a town with professional teams, much less the Titans who, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan being from Texas, but it's also like, it's easier to be a fan of the Titans and the Cowboys, certainly. Cause you know, it's like this year and, and last year. And then other than that, like seeing the Super Bowl, maybe never, right, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> so it's like, that's easier, but it's, it's really low stakes to just, just go to those games. It's fun. It's not a long drive. It's not hard to get there. And then, you know, you've got the Preds obviously, which is, one of the best parties in town and now Nashville SC. So it's like, I live in a town with three professional sports teams. Like it was a real treat for me growing up to be able to go to a professional game. And now it's like, they're all 15 minutes away, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. I, I do feel really blessed that DC seems to have like all of the sports, which is yeah. why technically our podcast goes year round, you know? And so, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's been cool. I actually do root for an AFC team and an NFC team as well. I root for the Ravens in, in addition, because just like that, like they play every year in the preseason, but what does that mean? Like, you right. know, like it doesn't, there's no rivalry there. They play once every three to four years and, you know, like, um it was actually interesting because one year they played on my birthday the two teams and i was a season ticket holder to the redskins at the time and um the it was funny because i was so torn it was rg3 they were doing well then it fell apart and rg3 got hurt that was the game that he got hurt and they put kirk cousins in and i i'm starting to walk out i'm like this is over like kirk cousins is going in i think this is over and then suddenly they come back. And so I just run back into the stadium because I haven't like fully left yet and get just sit in somebody else's seat because somebody else had left. Right. And uh, and then I watched this incredible comeback and I was like, what? And this is the beginning of Kirk Cousins and his like rise to fame, you know, in the NFL. And it's just such a weird game to have that happen on, you know, and, and those two teams. And that's like the biggest game probably played between those two. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I just uh, I read a headline, I guess, on Ben Roethlisberger's podcast, he like told Pickett that he was rooting against him when he first came in. And it's like, you know, I, it's like at least somebody kind of said it. Like there's no, there's no world in which you are just such a team player that the guy who immediately replaces you because either you got hurt or you weren't doing well, you're like, yeah, win for me. So I'll be erased. You know, it was an interesting, interesting little, little bit. Um, Not that I pay much attention to him as a stealer or as a person, but I just thought it was right. nice to hear somebody be like, Hey, I actually didn't want you to be very successful because you were taking my job. <laughs> 
So did you grow up watching, as you said, you were a Cowboys fan. So did you grow up watching football? I mean, it's Texas. I assume that you would. Yeah. Yeah. My brother played football, grew up watching football, Um, you know, college town there, big college, uh, decent. Uh, that was Mike Leach was um, at Texas Tech. I don't know if you, right. you know, and, and and then obviously the Cowboys as well. Um, But I was too young to really know when the Cowboys are good. So I've mostly just known the Cowboys being bad. Um, And then the, the occasional year where, where it's been good. But, you know, it's so funny. Like, I, I've been to a couple of Cowboys games. I I am a Cowboys fan, but I also, like, totally get it. Like, I get being hated. I think we're kind of, like, I hate Jerry Jones, too. Like, yeah. I just get it. It's, like, I'm fine. I'm so thankful that we finally ousted our owner. Like, yeah, I was about to say, how's it so feel to, to be, like, it's sometimes you're just, like, you know what, relief. we get it. We deserve it. You're right. It's, like, I want us to win, but if we don't, I get it. We're the bad right. guys, you know? <laughs> like I just want them to get rid of the commander's name now, because now I feel like yeah. it's just associated with this bad time. And I, I know that sucks to rebrand. You know, we both do marketing kind of stuff, and, like, we both know that it was, it's not ideal to rebrand again so quickly but i think you just got to throw that away no one wanted it and they just got to fork up the money and find out what the people want yeah i wasn't stoked that the stars rebranded um with the victory green thing uh but i i love it now you know at the time i thought i loved their old jerseys that had like the star cut out and like obviously they wanted those yeah. yeah like they're just dope and so you know when we saw this new thing was very much more like traditional old style red wings bruins like the you know the very basic kind of hockey sweater thing um now i love it now i appreciate the one single green color which i am trying to pay homage to here right i see um that. thank you I yeah and uh, yeah it's like you know and you're lucky that most of your yeah all of your teams at least have a red theme in there Yeah, you can see my room right so my yeah. wife wanted it actually designed this way i'll give her full credit but the way she sold it to me is like the bottom will be like a, a redskins burgundy and the top will be you know a caps color but she just really wanted different shades of red but that's how she sold it to me and i was i bought it 100 percent. i agreed to it um and uh but i kind of agree with you real quick on the logo thing because i actually kind of like this era of it's cool logos, man i think right? it's a cool look yeah yeah but um you know we are obviously with the weagle and the sort of simplified design now yeah. and the rock of the red with the ov you know it's it's kind of become iconic for us and obviously them winning but the throwbacks uh, are nice too you, you get that like chance yeah, yeah yeah i i have i have both of the retro reverse the the red one and the black one because i loved both of them i'm like i'm yeah. getting those because i still love that era so just a quick scoring update um this florida carolina game is coming down to the wire it's still only one nothing florida uh mm. with 336 left in the third um, and we've got this uh, live uh, basketball game that's also happening. And the Nuggets have a, a small lead. Uh, I think it's 94. Oh, no. Yeah, 94-91. But you LeBron okay? James, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a – so that's, this is the weird thing. I'm a Kobe Lakers fan, right? I'm not a LeBron James fan. I've documented this for a long time on this thing. I'm rooting for them, you know, because – um well first of all i like series and i didn't want it to be you know a sweep um but i still am not completely sold on lebron right so i still like the lakers but i don't it's just this constant inner turmoil for me so even having jordan wasn't enough for you huh (laughs) <laughs> oh, for the the wizards yeah. i i do root i do root for the wizards this okay. is my other team just like so the same thing if you root for um but uh the, the wizards man i don't have a preds jersey though okay i'm not going that far i'll wear a free preds shirt <laughs> oh really you have no preds okay that's interesting I, I have a couple i have i have some like free stuff i had some rally towels from some games and like i had like a titans blanket you and wouldn't stuff. buy a, that's interesting that you wouldn't buy i do have like a ravens jersey and uh yeah okay. i have one for each 
So I, I do represent both of them, but I would just um, get more stars jerseys. I'd get some more alts and stuff. I have a couple, a couple, and I just keep buying them, you know. Yeah, this is because I really loved Kobe back in the yeah. day. So this is actually very old. I don't even know, you know, uh how old it is, but it's back right when he changed over to the 24, you know. So the yeah. um uh but yeah, so I, it, it's it is a good point though. I, I do love the wizards, but I've always found a second NBA team. Like I rooted for the Bulls growing up um you know then it switched to kobe and the lakers I, even for a small time i liked ai um and the 76ers I, I you know you know it's funny i was in los angeles when they won and when the lakers won a championship and i was in chicago when the blackhawks won a championship and in la they won a championship and it was like kind of huh? chicago goes insane oh my gosh we were like eating pizza like near ish wrigleyville which is where they just celebrate everything no matter the sport and it was like what is happening right like just absolute like don't even try to get on the street just people pouring out it was an away game it was just like wow that's awesome so i have been to a couple of those for the nets and uh for the caps unfortunately i was home because liz was super pregnant for the caps one so i was not going to bring you know someone who's about to pop within the next two months out into that chaos in downtown dc um and um for the nets we had a very young kid so you know it was it was tough but i did um the one time i've been around actually i was only five years old at the time um, but UNC won the championship over uh, the Fab Five, uh, right? So, and Carolina went nuts. They toilet papered every single tree with light blue toilet paper. And um, I became an instant Carolina fan for my college basketball team because of that. I was like, they party hard. And I even realized that at like five, I was like, what is this? And yeah. so that that moment has always lived on. So it wasn't a professional team, but they definitely were pretty rowdy. Way better than than Duke, though. So that's good. Yeah, for sure. Being a Duke fan is like being a Cowboys fan. (laughs) Yes. So who's your your college? I guess you would root for Texas as your college basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. Were you when you were younger? Did you follow college basketball? Was it always your team? I mean, no. So, I mean, growing up in Lubbock, like I, I wasn't a gung-ho UT fan my whole life who wanted to go to UT, right? Like a lot of people are fans of the college or that they eventually want to go to. Yeah. And like, I was, you know, and being in Lubbock, it's like, um, I remember like Cheryl swoops uh, went to tech. So I remember women's basketball when they won there, that was, that was a big deal. The tech basketball team was not very good when I was there. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, and also being in Lubbock was an interesting kind of like, try like a mix mostly Mavs fans but then being in Austin was really weird because it was literally in the middle of Spurs Mavs and uh Rockets fans and it's all like a a congregation so like and then I'm just like a Texas fan because like Austin cannot really support any of the major major sports teams they have an MLS team that, that does pretty well but like it's just too much of a college place and so I had to learn a lot of like the history and tradition when I got to UT because I was not like huge fan. I remember watching the 2005 national championship um, prior to, you know, obviously being in, in school and like thinking it was really cool being aware that it was a great game, but still not being like, Oh, this is all about, you know, history in Texas and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. I realized that I'm older than you because 2005 was in the middle of me being in college, but the, uh, yeah, cause I remember that one. Cause I, I watched that game in college and I found that. Where did you go to college? Uh, University of Pennsylvania up in, uh, oh. in fact, my dad was actually just in chat not that long ago, and he mentioned um, that the baseball team for the Quakers, they uh, won um, the regular season Ivy, and they just won the uh, postseason Ivy thing. So I guess they're going to their version of 
whatever March Madness is called for baseball. Um, I actually, <laughs> the College I, you know, World <laughs> Series. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> but that that thing yeah we I, had some I, good I college world say, series I don't, teams too. I, don't, I don't i don't watch a lot of college baseball i've never it's, because i don't know for penn it was always basketball it was always like a very big like and then i think like football is kind of a joke but we're still the best team so i don't know how to feel about that like um yeah but it's like I, I always had a dream of going to a big school and watching football so I'm, I'm happy that i know you don't like this my wife is an aggie um and so i got to go and finally live that like college dream the sec the big you know going to see it and i got to see johnny at football actually play and oh, so you were there when people were still in the stands yes exactly <laughs> so it actually was there when it was the horseshoe so it was like the old you know oh, prior to the three the, the, adding the extra yeah interesting exactly. so um it was kind of so- cool that is cool though, but yeah, the College World Series, I I get it. It can be fun. Uh, you know, Texas being good was in them a lot. Vanderbilt now here in in Nashville is also a very good team. So like, there's it's it's inescapable. Like I hear about it all the time. A friend who's a huge College World Series fan, but I'm the same as you. It's like I'm I <laughs> honestly I feel this way about a lot of baseball. Uh, it's like I'll like seventh inning and and on. I don't really care what happens in the first six. <laughs> If it's I mean, close, kind of give me seven, eight, nine. Three quarters of a lot of NBA games, too. <laughs> yeah, so, that's you know, yeah, true. So, it's like, just show me the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of, we got nine minutes left for the fourth quarter. Denver is now up four. Uh, they're up 98-94. Um, I'm so curious if they're going to pull this sweep off. That'll be interesting. Florida's wow. still up one nothing with now 134 left in the third. So uh, time is ticking down fast. I find it fascinating that Florida has both their hockey team and their basketball team here in the in the conference finals, which I, I did not have that on my bingo card this year, for sure. Absolutely wild. I was just in Boston, and I know they thought they were going to have both the Celtics and the Bruins in. And uh, and I feel like that's a place that, like, sustains that because they're, like, used to that, and it's not the first time. But, yeah, Florida's like, what? We're all <laughs> just at the beach right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It was hard because I have a lot of friends on Twitch that are from Canada. And I kind of was like finally pulling for like maybe Toronto or the Oilers or somebody to like <laughs> you know, at least make it to the conference finals, make it somewhat <laughs> interesting. And it was just not I just I feel so bad for Toronto fans. Like, I love I it. Like I'm, I'm sorry. I love it. <laughs> love I love it? that yeah. it's it that it was a narrative amongst like the the base level of, of hockey fans where it's like Haha, Canada still doesn't have a cup. And now it's like articles in like NHL.com are like still not getting to the finals. And I'm just like, oh, so this like little funny haha fan narrative. Because here's the deal. You you might feel that way. Have you been to like Toronto during a Leafs game or like heard that oh they just think they are the but like it is owed to them you know and it's that's why it's so funny and like they were chanting like we want Florida we want Florida it's like you got them you got Florida but supposedly somebody was chanting we want Boston too but they just (laughs) clipped it out but that's even crazier like you would not want that Boston team like there's no way like how many times in a row have you lost to them like why would you think that the year that they're playing the best would be the year you finally do it although hockey's weird that way the team Uh, I would be most okay with winning a cup from Canada I think at this point would be Vancouver and here come the rats Florida wins one nothing over Carolina um Oof. carolina put up 32 shots to florida's only 17 shots but yet they come away with a one nothing victory so going back to what we're talking about bobrovsky has his first career postseason shutout 
uh, in his 58th start, and uh, he had 67 consecutive saves. Uh, I'm telling you, man, Bob is not like a like a you know this elite guy, and he's playing like an elite guy, and it's you, like you got to feel for like Philly fans, right? Like they did all this work to groom this guy, and they thought he was the guy, but then he kind of got you know these goalies that get in their head and they just go for the, these down spells and you don't know if they'll be able to come back out of it or not. Right. You know, some of them are able to have a resurgence there or somewhere else. You know, I think about yeah. Holpe in 2018 was having a horrible year, one of his worst statistical years and it was replaced by Grubauer going into the playoffs. And then, you know, then he was able to get it right for somehow, but sometimes, and then Holpe went and left and never got it right again. So, um, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was, know. I was I was glad to get to see him some and and same thing with Ben Bishop and stuff you know I, obviously I'm I don't really I'm a believer that you kind of got to have your guy early on I'm not saying you have to draft him but you got to get him pretty early on and and keep him around it's pretty rare that you see somebody you know be successful and then go to another team it's not like a quarterback Right. It's like a goalie. It's, you kind of want your guy. Um, same thing that you had with Holtby for a while. And same thing that, you know, they had with Carey Price up in Montreal, obviously never even or Henrik Lundqvist. Like these guys didn't win cups, but like they had their guy for a long time. I felt um, so bad for Lundqvist. I like know, I, know. I, I finally thought he was actually going to play for the Caps. He got signed by us and he was going to have his resurgence. And then they did all those tests and they're like, yeah, you should hang it up. And I was like, Oh, that crushed me because I was like, maybe he gets that resurgence. Because what a story that would have been if Ovechkin and him come together, and like that's how after all those years, yeah, after all those years, and that's how he won it. I thought, what a story! I was so excited. That was my narrative going into that season, and it just never came to fruition. I mean, this is this is partially why if you know if the stars do bow out, like it'll be so heartbreaking. Because like part of me, I really want Pavs and DeBoer to win a cup together. I want Pavs to win a cup. Pavelski, uh, you know. And, and Ryan Suter too. Like these are these guys who are like Hall of Famers, Pavs first round, no doubt. You know, Suter maybe not initially, but like, and and they don't have that cup. And it's just like, I know that it shouldn't necessarily matter, but um, it does. It totally does. Same thing with with Lung, Lungquist, though. Yeah. So it's fine. My wife is like in love with Henrik Lundqvist. So she's super happy that he's now he's a good looking man. Yeah. So she's super happy. He's commentating now. Cause she gets to look at him. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause he I wears have to a watch. Suit. Yeah. And him and the Gretzky though, but like Gretzky for me, looks like a robot up there and like don't, never blinks. And I'm yeah. like, I don't, I, I love the great one, but I just don't know if this is what he's made for. You yeah. Know? You can tell he's just kind of doing it because people recognize the name. Um, Yeah. The, the the team that I'm normally seeing and the commentary team that I'm normally seeing with, with the Dallas games is they're fun. You know, it's PK and uh, uh, Henrik and um, uh, Boucher up in the, the anyways, they're, they're pretty fun. Sometimes they get a little too silly, a little too quick, but like I, I sometimes I'll just turn off the commentary altogether. But with these guys, I'm like, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I actually, TNT, when they started this new contract, I thought was well below where NBC was, but they've kind of like gone up throughout the season. I think ESPN's coverage of it has been mediocre at best. I actually prefer the games on TNT and that's sort of sad. You know, I feel like, you know, ESPN put all this money into, you know, buying this contract and I just don't feel like they've ever treated hockey with the same respect as they do the NBA and the NFL and stuff like that. I bet they still get the numbers, but I agree completely. 
I just, well, I just don't think the players and the coverage they do is as good. Like okay. there were times when they were covering the the caps and there were like these historic games and Ovechkin's trying to go for records and they're like showing people doing scorecards in the locker room pre-tape segments and missing Ovechkin goal one minute into the game. I'm like, that can't happen if you're like the number one like sports, you know, network. Yeah. Like, at what level is this? It's like happening? whoever's producing those games does not watch hockey and is just yeah. like, well, we've got a story that we're going to tell. And it's like, well, there's a game on. So right. you and can also the show the game. live. I'm like, and it happened to be a game. We got a hat trick and like, so luckily, and they talk through the hat trick that gets 700. I'm like, yeah. you got to let things breathe sometimes. And it was like, they were like asking Gretzky questions about it and asking about his life and career during this game. And I'm like, I get that he's on you know, the commentary. Right. Here, like, and it's like, yeah. But it's like, yeah, this is time and place, like intermission or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, there's a great interview with Al Michaels talking about, you know, how he would sometimes go one, two, three minutes in a, in a game without saying anything because it's like you're, they're watching the game. Like the, the image is supposed to say what it needs to say, you know? Right. Which I, it's I, I it's different than radio. And I think that it's important yeah. to like leave, you know, pauses and, you know, storytelling and, and stuff yeah. like that. He said so, hockey was the most fun and easiest to cover for TV, hardest to cover for radio. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I, I love our play-by-play radio guy. Sometimes I'll just throw him on John Walton. And I think he's mm-hmm. one of the best in the business and yeah, yeah. he covers the Olympics for NBC. So like, I mean, obviously well-respected, you know, within, you know, the industry, but like, and we're so lucky that we have, you know, you know, Ben Nadi and Lachlan, you know, who, who've been, you know, together for over 20 years, you know, it's just, it's rare yeah. to get these. Three, Same know. story with our color guy. We have a, a guy named Daryl Ray um, Razor, who's just like, Sometimes he'll go viral for some of the way he he references things, but he's really just a smart, smart guy. He just like he explains things so well and he'll call. It's like if you ever watch, a, you know, there was some some minor pride as a Cowboys fan when Tony Romo would kind of go semi viral for being like, oh, this looks like it's going to be an inside handoff to the left here. And then it is. And you're just like, all right, well, no, Tony's just telling you what's going to happen before it does, because he played this game and that's what he does, you know? It's kind of funny because it's one of the things I really loved about the XFL is that mm-hmm. they piped in on mics all of the plays and all of the coaches and all of the players. And so you could hear what's being called and then they, ana- anal- they could analyze it like live as it was going on. I thought that was like such a cool like behind the scenes like approach to it that I found you know, really interesting. And I actually like uh, Tony Romo. He's, he's a pretty good yeah, you know, at what he does now, you know, obviously didn't like him before, but you know, um, he's hard. But, to, he's hard to not like, I mean, come on, look at that yeah. smile. It's that <laughs> smile. You just, you, everybody wanted to be Tony Romo. That's why he didn't like him. <laughs> right. Maybe. No, um, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. So I just want to give one other scoring update. So Denver is still up by four, 102 98. We've got 544 left in the fourth. Um, I do want to let people know, I, I had a lot of bot commands and a lot of cool stuff that was going to pop up talking about Jeremy here. Um, of course, stream elements is down this evening, which is, you know, as plans happen. Uh, so I do have a pin post and I hope that people will do check that one out. Um, and it's a link and obviously you can find him at Moonlight Social, um, which is twitch.tv tv slash moonlight social uh he does great singing and and guitar playing on mondays on tuesdays he does drum streams where you can request anything from youtube so you can throw whatever you got at him and uh and he plays you can give me the top 10 stanley cup highlights and i'll drum along to it it. there you go 
uh that would be uh that would be interesting but yeah it's uh it's a really fun time over there he's a, a very uh funny and uh guy who i really have enjoyed uh going to streams the last six months uh for sure and uh, i hope that you guys all check him out also moonlight social is a band and so you can check them out on all music platforms uh and uh i have a link up there um as well and i'm going to drop it in chat one more time i've also dropped it in the description if you are live right now on our facebook um but here is all the links and find out moonlightsocial.com ms and you get all of the socials and all of this stuff i really highly recommend you check out their newest album imposter syndrome which is one of my favorite albums right now and uh i hope that you guys uh, check out all their music and uh we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here but i just wanted to give a little bit of a shout out while we were doing that but jeremy anything new or exciting happening know you're working on some projects and redubbing some stuff but if you want to let people know what you're working on that'd be awesome yeah well first of all it's very sweet of you thank you for the kind words robbie um right now we are working on kind of a uh, a stripped album so re-recording songs throughout our catalog up to this point um but just kind of back to the basics of guitar drums vocals we're not you know like a lot of stuff you'll hear um which i love doing but it's very highly produced there's lots of ear candy we call it you know different sounds and things that you can find and with with these songs we're like i'm gonna play the drums and play the guitar play the bass throw some tambourine percussion and and just the two vocals you know no extra harmonies just the guy girl vocal and so it's like a very back to the basics of like what you might think like somebody's first album would be because that's all they could afford the studio time for you know that's not the reason we're doing it but that's the idea is like strip it down these songs throughout our career and redo them in this format it kind of almost reminds me like the b-52s and that dynamic you know and some of that early stuff that i i used to love uh growing up and hell yeah um, yeah we have similar music tastes for sure from from what you've been talking about some of your favorite bands yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm so excited. I uh, thank you so much for playing uh, some Blink earlier. I am very excited that my first thing I'm doing on this break from streaming is I'm going uh, straight to a concert tomorrow and seeing uh, Blink-182. We're the Capitals play, so th there's no conflict of interest. There's no Capitals or Wizards uh, playing there tomorrow, and uh, so I I'm happy to see blink it's been 12 years since i got to see them i saw them in the neighborhoods tour which i thought was really cool i think wow. did you say that you saw them back then or i i've never seen with the original lineup i saw them play during x games um so that was okay. one of matt skiba's first things it was oh, before cool. they even put out the new record but it was it was still a great show but i'm yeah i'm excited for you and eventually for me months down the road to go see yeah, them yeah you're gonna Nashville. see them on on this tour as well right yeah in, in july i think it's our last show before like europe Oh, nice. That's very cool. So uh, it'll be well rehearsed by that point. Uh, so that, that'll be uh, that'll be good. No, they're fantastic. I've been seeing the set list. They're playing all of their super raunchy uh, material, which will yeah. be very fun. I feel like they, they went through their catalog and found whatever the raunchiest stuff that they could find is, and that's what they're throwing out there. They're like, Not family friendly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, which I think is uh, great. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it'll bring me back. My first time I got to see them was in 99, uh, which was um, they actually opened a festival in D.C. Uh, back with The Offspring and all these other really cool people, Red Hot Chili Peppers and uh, Muddy Muddy Boston's. And it was like one of the most incredible shows of my life. And it was weird. It was like one of my first shows. And I didn't know that I was going to have like, it was basically that summer, Woodstock 99, there was a couple of these really big festivals up and down the East Coast. And um, this was one of them. And like live was there. And it was great because the offspring, it was like the Americana album. And 
and it was right oh, before yeah. uh californication was released just about two weeks before californication was released so like right mm-hmm. after it was like debuting some of their songs and like it was such an iconic time period in music and it was just it was really crazy that they were blink was the opener for that show back yeah. then. <laughs> and like uh you know and, and how far that they've you know come and you know it was uh uh, and I, so I saw the neighborhoods 12 years later, and then this is 12 years after that. So, you know, I'll see them every 12 years. I guess. Every 12. Yeah. So, um, but it's been fun. I, uh, I really love uh, some of their most recent albums where they even, you know, Grammy nominated and all that sort of stuff. And it's kind of crazy that it was the one without Tom, you know, yeah, that. It's a great record, man. I, I was saying on the stream earlier today, I think California is like my second favorite after Enema of the State. Um and it's cool, like you mentioned earlier, it's cool that they're picking a couple of the tunes that Tom didn't also write on just to kind of, you know, um, throw some of that in there too. And nothing against Angels and Airwaves or any of the stuff he's done. I thought they're, I thought Angels and Airwaves last record was was pretty great too. So it's like, it's just, I'm just glad to see this, you know. I know you got to see them a while back, but I, I think it's going to be, from what I've heard, I try not to pay too much attention, but from what I've heard, it's it's a good show. Yeah, I've been watching stuff and I'm just very excited and uh, it'll, it'll be cool. And I love that it's on the Metro for me. Like, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah, have to there like, you go. <laughs> yeah, the traffic in D.C. after shows can be horrendous. And so uh, especially there's a, what's cool about being in D.C. in the DMV area is there's you know gigs up in northern Maryland. There's gigs in D.C. There's gigs out in Virginia, lots of them. So like you can see shows up and down and, you know, all of them are within an hour away from me. And Jiffy Lube Live is the biggest outdoor venue. It's about an hour south of me, but it could be two or three hours south of me, depending on how traffic is, mm-hmm. and, you know, and letting people out. So like Offspring and Some 41 are playing there in the middle of a week, in the middle of the summer. And I'm like, ah. Oh. It's it's heartbreaking because I so want to go to that show, obviously, but yeah, I don't know if I want to sit in three hours of traffic for that show. It's like, uh, you know, yeah, you got to catch some forty. I mean, they're gonna do like a whole like it's gonna be several years of goodbye stuff, but you got to catch them at least once before before the hangout. Yeah, I've been lucky. I I did get to see them back in the day. Um, okay, but uh, but I agree, and I love Offspring, so I'm very tempted to do it, but. I'm also um, seeing a month before I'm seeing Fall Out Boy. And then I'm also <laughs> uh, going to Emily Henry Music, uh, who's a Twitch streamer on here, which I really love. And um, uh, so she's really great. And uh, I'm I'm very excited to see her because um, she gets this is actually her hometown crowd. So so you're going to start a fun. music podcast on the side then? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I, I probably should. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I do. On Sports my YouTube for channel. nine months and then music exactly, for three. Music. But people want to see my concert videos. I actually, my, these videos do very terribly on YouTube, but the concert videos do tremendously well. In fact, my most viewed content is a Tiesto video I did 13 years ago. And it wow. got like 15,000 views because people in Ukraine love it. And who knows? You never, you never know where things are going to be popular or how the YouTube even Just works. But Throwing like, darts and seeing where they land. Man. Yeah, Just I, like... I tweeted Tiesto after he landed because I spent all night making this like rave music video to one of things he did and he's like oh that's cool and retweeted it and then somebody like picked that up and went on a russian blog and, you know i mean just like <laughs> you just never know how anything is going to go in, in this world of the internet but um yeah. i do love music and it's been one of the great things i've been able to pass on to my uh children and yeah they love music too so i never played uh but i'm hopefully i've given them every instrument you can't see behind here but there's a million kids instruments on this side love um it. and love um it. So hopefully they'll be the band that I never got to be. So um, there you go. 
Um, so yeah, it's been super fun. Well, it's been great chatting with you. Uh, I've loved this conversation. Is there anything that you want people to know uh, before I let you go? And then I'll probably talk about this end of this Lakers game as well. No, man, I just, it's fun. I love, uh, love doing this. Appreciate, uh, you, you asking me to be on and, uh, Go stars. I let people. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. I, I, guys. Sh- I, I shouldn't watch the games because I've definitely yeah. every uh, game I've watched the team that I've rooted for in hockey so far has lost. So yeah, stop I watching. You've been, yeah, I don't need, I need you. you just... I don't need you. I don't need that energy, Robbie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's great tomorrow as I will be at a Blink 182 show. Yeah. So I can't watch it. So we'll see how that works. 4 1 tomorrow, stars exactly. victory because exactly. Robbie's not there. Yeah. So that. <laughs> I hope that for you. So uh, thank you for joining us. And um, maybe we'll get you back on uh, next fall when you're, we get either the Preds or Dallas playing uh, Washington for a game. And uh, we could continue this conversation then. Love it, man. Uh, have a great one. All right. We'll see you. All right. Later. All Bye. right. So thank you to Jeremy for uh, joining us and uh, being a part of this conversation. Again, uh, check him out. He's the pinned post and then he's also in the description and in the comments i'm going to switch over some of my graphics here uh to pull up the basketball graphics again and uh we're gonna switch out of here uh so we've got two minutes left uh the lakers are down two right now uh to the nuggets and so we're going to do a live watch along i know there's not a, a ton of people here live in chat um but uh we will uh go through the last two minutes or so of this game um with you all if it does go to overtime i will end the podcast and then uh we can uh watch that obviously on your own uh but i thought that we're pretty close to the end of it here with just two minutes left but we know that it will take a little bit uh, of time i also want to give a couple of scoring updates while uh there's little breaks here and we're going to talk a little bit of dc united we haven't talked DC United too much this season, uh, but I did. We've been very busy the last couple of weeks. I really appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in and being a part of this. The last couple of weeks we've had, um, you know, we had Jeremy from Moonlight Social. Last week we had Davey and the E-flat guy or Ryan uh, talking hockey and basketball with us. And the week before we had um, Ryan again, that E-flat guy, but we also had Josh talking hockey. And the week before that we had um, Carly and Primordial Sounds join us. So uh, we've had a lot of great Twitch streamers on those last couple of weeks. So again, if uh, people are tuning in late, this is going to be my last show until September. Um, and uh, uh, then uh, when football season comes back, we will definitely be talking a little bit more about that. So a, a little update here. Um, they're checking to see if he stepped back. And I think he did step back and it's a three. So they're doing a analysis of this uh right now to see if he got it off and if his foot was on the line um but i think it it will count denver is up 110 to 107 and again there's two minutes left in that so let's take a look at the uh major league soccer table real fast and take a look at how uh dc united has been doing these last couple of weeks so uh, in the regular season, uh, they had a draw and a loss to start the season on April 1st and 8th. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. But then they won the next three. Uh, they beat um, CF Montreal 1-0. They beat Orlando at Orlando 3-1. Charlotte at home, they beat 3-0. Then they lost to Cincinnati in Cincinnati. That was 2-1. Then the following two weeks, they actually had a draw with Nashville uh, 1-1. Uh, and then a at Philadelphia Union, they had a draw 0-0. And then the LA Galaxy, they had a win 
uh, on this past Saturday, 3-0. And this upcoming Saturday, they'll be playing at Toronto FC. And then on Wednesday, May 31st, uh, they'll be playing CF Montreal once again at 7.30. Uh, so on the table right now, uh, they have five wins, uh, four ties, and five losses, giving them a total of 19 points, which puts them in a tie with Orlando City SC. Uh, for six and seventh spots in the, the table, I believe the top eight advance um, in the playoffs, but I'm not sure. I think they did change the rules on that. So, uh, scoring update, Denver is up 111 to 107, 152 left, um, and uh, AD just took it uh, to the hole, and he got fouled. Uh, it's a great um, give and go with LeBron, and um, so... Uh, uh, Anthony Daniels will go to the line to shoot two here. Uh, again, 152 left, and he makes the first. Make it 108 to 111. Cuts it to a three-point lead. We'll see what he does here with the second one. So if people are controlling late, uh, Florida has taken a 3-0 lead uh, in their series uh, in the hockey game. And then... Um, Anthony Daniels makes the second one. Goes up 109 to 111. Uh, 19.6 for 15 field goals and eight, seven for eight for free throws and 14 rebounds for Anthony Daniels here. Uh, 138 left. Joker's got the ball. He tries to drive in. It's deflected, uh, but it's considered a foul or is it a kickball? I don't know. I think they're saying. He... Oh, it's kicked. It's a kickball. Uh, Denver gets the ball out with 14 seconds on the shot clock. 133 left. Uh, they drive. Kick it back out to Joker. AD is on Joker. Good defense by AD. Joker throws it up. And it's a shot clock violation. And the Lakers get the ball down two points here. So we'll see how this... Came goes. That was super fun. I thank Tim and Carol for joining me and uh, thank Jeremy for joining me uh, for the hockey talk. I really appreciate everybody for tuning in and, and being a part of all this. Here we go. Minute 13 left. Lakers are down to um, and there's a, is a foul down low. Yeah, there's a foul down low and the Lakers are in the bonus. Um so, yeah, Gordon was holding AD. Uh, so it means AD will be shooting two, I think. Yeah, their coach is pretty upset right now about this call. All right, well, while that is going on, I'm going to take a quick look at who we've got online to see who we should be rating. There's a lot of people on. Oh, Davey's eating a sandwich. Hmm. All right, AD makes the second one. All right, so we're gonna um, we're gonna well, we'll stay through the rest of this. But if it goes to overtime, we're gonna raid Davey. Even if one of the other ways happens, we're still going to rate him just to show support since I know he's a Lakers fan. He was on last week. 
And, uh, yeah. Alright. This is deflection and it's out of bounds. Alright, sorry, setting up the raid. Thank you for everyone for tuning in on the Facebook feed. Uh, right at the end of regulation, we will end the Facebook feed and the audio podcast. And then on Twitch, we will raid over. Um, wow. Joker bullies himself in. He gets in for two. Denver's up 113 to 111. 47 seconds left. 18 on the shot clock. And LeBron James has the ball and is bringing it up court. Just cross over half court. Uh, he's going right now at Joker and going to seven seconds, six, five. He passes it over and it's deflected out of bounds with 3.6 seconds left, 31.3 seconds left uh, on the clock. Um, so they'll have to inbounds and get it up within four seconds. Pokemon in chat if anyone wants it. Say it. 3.6 seconds, 31.3 overall in the fourth. And um, there's a timeout taken here by the Lakers. All right. I think we're going to raid um, Davey for the end of this game. Uh, but thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, I really appreciate it so much. And if people want to catch the end of this, they can do that. Uh, raid. Easy's eating a sandwich. Okay. Well, everyone live on Facebook, thank you for joining us for this broadcast. Remember, all the other broadcasts for this summer will be over on Carol's Facebook page. Uh, the, the replays will be up on the website. It probably won't be on Tuesdays. It'll be later in the week during the summer. It'll be a little bit more lackadaisical, but always check his live feeds on Carol's YouTube channel, uh, sports.thp.com. Uh, and uh, if you go to sports.thp.com, click on Carol's button, goes right to his YouTube channel and click lives and has all the live podcasts there. Uh, also on his Facebook, so you click the socials button on sports.thp.com. Or if you click the uh, podcast um uh, team sports or THP button. Uh, you should get all the links there. But thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll, uh, I'll catch you in September. Carol will catch you throughout the summer with his Nats talk, uh, but hope that you have a good one and we'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go Washington.